0: all right guys welcome back into the podcast today i have coach wilkerson the head coach at eastern illinois university you know go big go blue because i went there so coach thanks for being here appreciate your time
1: oh no thanks for having me i appreciate it
0: and then we were just talking about a small world the coaching world is because you coached a guy i work with brother and i was like oh yeah there's this connection now you know and so it's really awesome you never know who you meet and who you talk to it's really there's no
1: question no question i mean Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be, you know, growing up in Indianapolis and then coming to Eastern and going to California after 12 years in Charleston and then going to New Hampshire and then coming back to the Chicagoland area the last nine years. And here we are, full circle back at Eastern Illinois. But there are a ton of people that, you know, like you said, small world connections that all of a sudden, hey, one person knows somebody or knows somebody that knows somebody. And it's shocking how many people do connect through the great game of football.
0: Absolutely. And of course, like I said before we started, head coach at Eastern and I went there I even I even tried to walk on got my butt kicked and it was you know whatever uh coach Spoo was still the head coach you know in 2009 uh we had a linebacker his nickname was Nick Nasty he went to Plano and I'll never forget that name so I'm like that's the best football name I've ever heard in my life that's right it was Nick absolutely
1: Nasty. one of the all-time great names football names Nick Nasty
0: yeah yes it is um but what's awesome is, like you said, you had plenty of coaching experience. So it just all kind of came full circle to come back to Eastern. Because I remember when you got hired, they said, you know, you coached at Eastern before. And I'm like, he's taking the route that Dino Babers did. You know, he was there then came back. Um, so you are at University of Chicago for a long time. What kind of made you say, I'm going to go back to Eastern when it opened up? Like, this is just going back.
1: Well, you know, it's a funny story. So growing up in Indianapolis and, you know, 33 years ago, going through the <coughs> recruiting process, like a lot of guys are doing right now, and Eastern was one of my four visits. And from the moment that I set foot on this campus, um, I fell in love with the place, but most importantly fell in love with the people. Um, I've always said from, from the time I set foot on this campus in January of 1990 um, to coming back in January of 2022 that the difference here hasn't always will be the people. They're just so authentic and genuine and caring um, anyway, so I went through the recruiting process and decided to continue my education here. I was fortunate, like you were, um, to be here when Bob Spoo was the head football coach. And mm-hmm. coach became like a second father to me. And, um, you know, I spent five years as a student athlete here. And then when I came to Eastern, I knew I wanted to teach and coach. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be at the high school level. Right. Um, and a lot of that had to do with how I grew up. And my high school coaches were huge influence in my continued development just as a man, as a person. Mm-hmm. And so um, at the end of my career, Bob, you know, we sat down and he said, Hey, have you thought about coaching college football? I'm like, No, coach, not really. You know, Sharna and I, I met my wife here. She played softball and uh, we're getting married this May. Um, I've already passed the Illinois examination. I've got reciprocity in the state of Indiana for a couple of years. I thought I'd get a job teaching and coaching in the burbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, Well, why don't you try this this spring while you finish your student teaching? I think you'd have a bright future. And so, you know, here we are now, 28 years later. Uh, 27 full years, uh, this is my 28th season, and I haven't done anything other than coach college football. So yes, I stayed in Charleston on staff mm-hmm. for seven years, and and those were great times. Um, you know, we had six winning seasons in seven years, four trips to the national championship playoffs, two conference championships in the old Gateway Conference, now the Missouri Valley, um, and then our transition to the Ohio Valley Conference. Now, it didn't hurt that Tony Romo was our quarterback <laughs> my last four years on staff, so right. we were pretty good on offense. Right. Um, Anyway, then I did have a chance to go out west and coach FBS football at San Jose State University. It was an amazing experience. I got to experience college football at the highest level possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, I, we played the Buckeyes and the Horseshoe the year they won the national championship with Claret and Trestle. Played, beat the U of I when they were coming off of a Sugar Bowl appearance the previous bowl season and in Champaign. That was a nice homecoming. Played Washington and Seattle, um, you know, twice. Played Stanford on the farm every year. Played the Gators in the swamp. Uh, so I got to experience it at, at its highest. Mm-hmm. Um, but after three seasons, uh, my boss was actually let go with a couple of weeks to go in our third season. And so I knew getting into this, that that was a possibility at some point during your career. You know, they say there's two types of college football coaches, those who have been fired or those who will be fired <laughs> at some point and so anyway um i I had met a guy way back when i was here ironically and i'd just gotten hired in a a high school coaches clinic in danville illinois named buddy (laughs) teethens and buddy had been at at at, um illinois when we met and we had stayed in touch when he went to florida and then he went to stanford and and we had gotten to know each other while he was at stanford and anyway make a long story longer when we got um let go buddy got let go at stanford too and Mm -hmm. so it wasn't a week or so go by and he had a chance to go back east to his alma mater dartmouth college and and so um we connected via phone and met at the convention. And the next thing you know, I ended up in Hanover, New Hampshire at Dartmouth college for eight years. And it was an awesome experience. And so, you know, the first 18 years of my coaching career were at uh, the division one level. Mm -hmm. Then I finally in um, 2013 had an opportunity to be a head coach at the university of Chicago. And, and having been a Midwest native um, growing up in Indianapolis, I knew a lot about the university of Chicago and some of their history and tradition Um, and a chance to run my own program and try to, again, give back to others that had given so much to me in the game that had given so much to me. So uh, we, we moved and, and, um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I took that job with the um, hope that I would do um, well enough that we could stay and I could get my kids all the way through high school. Mm -hmm. I've got three kids, girl, boy, girl. And my oldest is a rising sophomore at Illinois state playing softball right now, like her mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, my son is a rising senior, and my youngest is a rising sophomore. So we almost made it. Almost. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, what happened in December, or excuse me, early January this year, um, Adam Cushing, the previous head coach here, uh, made the decision to leave and go be the offensive line coach at Duke University. And so, um, you know, here they were looking for a football coach. I got involved in the process, and, and um, you know, the more that we talked about it as a family, you know, when these opportunities will come along. And so it was a chance to come home and um restore a proud storied tradition and we're super excited about being back. So yeah, it's come full circle and it's great to be home.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say good thing you've been there before because it's a culture shock to people that live in the suburbs, then they see Charleston, Illinois, and realize like, hey, there's only Route 16 that takes you to Mattoon and two lanes that go there and two lanes back. If there's traffic right. if there's traffic, it's a it's a tractor. That's all That's it right. is. If you guys hear that, I have a 100-pound chocolate lab that's going to bark, so I apologize. But because I grew up up in 50 and Oakwood by Danville, so like small town of 500 people, 1,600 people. Charleston to me was a boom, like, okay. Because then I coached high school football at Charleston High School, so I lived there for a while. So it's a good thing you knew, because some people, they get to Charleston, they go, there's only one lane, it's fast food, uh, Yeah, you know, and too bad jerry's pizza is gone like all those places like it's all gone don't, and
1: don't worry jerry will have something going in there soon enough i'm quite sure because
0: i worked there too i worked down in the basement and then, okay uh, yeah jerry's yeah <laughs> and then they rebuilt marty's and all that stuff we won't get into all that we all know how eastern rolls but yeah that's that's real funny full circle and uh you know that was the big question. That was my question. You already answered. Like how's the suburbs compared to Charleston? Cause people don't know South of yeah. South of I-80. They don't know if there's anything South of
1: it. Well, and the irony, so we lived South of I-80 when I was at the university of Chicago, just right there in Mokina. Oh, okay. And, uh, my kids went to Lincoln way central high school. The two youngest still attend there. Um, and so after further discussion, I'm going to let my son finish his senior year of football this next year. So hopefully everybody will be down here and settled in a new place Right. Um, you know, in early June, late May of of uh, twenty three, and uh, my youngest will finish her last two years of high school down here at Charleston.
0: I, I know some teachers there, so if you need any help with those teachers, I got some pull from coaching football, basketball, and track. I, got well, some I, I
1: appreciate that. I know. I also have uh, one of our guys on staff, Cole Hoover. Yes, uh, is a Charleston native, and and Cole has a a very good feel for certainly all the people in the building at CHS.
0: I coached him his senior year there. I was down there. Uh, so yeah, good kid, good guy. Great guy on staff for you
1: right there. Amazing, amazing person. Um, he has been awesome from the day I had a chance to meet him in person for the first time. I had always known of Cole, mm-hmm. um, and, and just having a chance to meet him in person, he's been nothing but impressive to me. And he's got a really bright future as a college football coach.
0: He's just like his dad. When I walked on, his dad was the O-line coach here or, or there. And, you know, it was really weird because when that whole accent happened, I heard about it. And then when I got coaching into the Charleston High School, I heard his last name. And I remember going, where have I heard that name before? Yeah. And then when yeah. I put two and two together, you know, it was like an oh OS moment. I don't want to – whatever. Like, oh, my God. Like, small – again, small world. Like, I was just like, oh, and yeah. that's his son. And, and he's just like his dad. He loves it. Um, so So when – Was there any like adjustment getting back into Division One, being at the Division Three level? Because there is some differences, or was it just like there's no question?
1: The good news is this: everybody's um, going through a tremendous amount of change over the last four or five years, uh, whether they've been in Division One for forty or fifty years, just because of all the name, image, and likeness, and the transfer portal stuff. And so, you know, transitioning. um, Like I said, I spent the first eighteen years of my coaching career at the Mm -hmm. Division One level. It's like riding a bike. You know. Yeah. You don't really forget the rules are a little bit different. We get a little more contact with the players. Um, certainly you got to balance the scholarship budget. You know, there's, there's a little more um, paperwork and I have a little more in terms of resources, in terms of people to help me push some of those papers. So, but, but really to be honest with you, the essence of coaching is still connecting with people, um, you know, and building a culture and um you know making sure that guys understand that that we care about them as people before we care about them as as players and just helping them be the best versions of themselves it's about it impacting enriching and transforming lives and and um, that's what we're here to do again
0: yeah because one big thing and I'm sure you'll continue it was the community in Charleston is so big for the football program the basketball programs and like Eastern has always done a good job of like getting the players out and doing stuff in the communities or, or anything else and like you said it's a, because Eastern really needs that those people
1: to come to the football games and everything, yeah. and, and it's huge. Well, the, connect, the connection to the community is huge, and um, ironically, we talked about Cole. He is my community service outreach coordinator, <laughs> um, and our players have been extremely visible this spring and even this summer. We had, um, you know, a Charleston Recreation Day Camp. They had seventy-five campers that they have on a daily basis, and one of their stops this year was to come through the stadium and the facilities. And mm-hmm. they break them up into smaller groups of fifteen or twenty, and so I had four groups of. Uh, Younger people come through my office and high five it and jumping up and trying on rings and stuff, but it's all, it's all great stuff. I mean, um, Ray McElroy is a guy that I played with uh, here um, for my last four years, his four years, cause he didn't redshirt, but we graduated together. We're senior co-captains. He played in the national football league for nine years following graduation, but he's never forgot where he came from and what this place did. Mm-hmm. And since the pandemic, he hasn't been able to come back here and do his Ray McElroy pro football camp, mm-hmm. um, which he does for free. Um, but this year we finally had 55, 60 kids back out in Charleston on O'Brien Stadium last Friday and Saturday night after the 4th of July. So um, it, it was it was awesome, um, you know, and it's great to see those people back, you know, and the kids getting out and about. But hopefully we'll get that thing back up to another 100, 150 kids. But the community is huge for us.
0: Right. Even like Mattoon because it's all huge, like going to all over Coles County, not just Charleston, even though it's there, you still have to like, get Mattoon involved, and that's that's what's great no about question it's so yep. close too that's the great thing yep. about it
1: Effingham, tuscola arcola yeah. mattoon charleston casey you know yeah. any of the surrounding communities um absolutely no question
0: there's even signs up here somewhere in the suburbs you'll see an eiu sign somewhere so it ever since i've been down there in 2009 it has just kind of even though we had i was there when the budget cuts happened i was there when enrollment dropped it's slowly getting back you're seeing signs everywhere and coming back and and being that pride that coach spoo started and even before that It's all coming back. Um, That's really awesome that you're continuing that. You said all the right things with that. Like, yeah, he's continuing it. There is a pride thing there that no matter who steps in, has to continue that part of it.
1: No question. Yeah, part of our DNA here is pride, and it's one of our acronyms that we use all the time. and We talk about personal responsibility and daily excellence, Um, but pride is a big, big, big part of this place. I mean, it has always been a place that's founded on effort and enthusiasm and energy and toughness, hard hat and lunch pail, blue-collar players. Uh, that are passionate about playing football and playing for each other. So we're restoring that. And and believe me, there are a lot of people here in the program that um, understand how this place was built. My defensive coordinator, Adam Gristick, was a linebacker on those Mm -hmm. back-to-back championship teams and playoff teams with Jimmy Garoppolo. Our corners coach, DJ Bland, was on those same teams. Um, I talked about Cole. He played offensive line here. Um, Certainly myself. And then even our Foxes or Nichols coach, um, Colin Guyer, he had gotten his master's degree here at Eastern, mm-hmm. um, gone to back to the Ar- University of Arkansas and come back, and even my associate head coach, wide receivers coach, uh, special teams coordinator, Kyle Derrickson, his dad played basketball at Eastern in the seventies. <laughs> um, you know, so he he and his mom uh, met, I think, right between Ike's and the old, uh, I guess, teak house or whatever it yeah, was, yeah, you yeah, know, the, the fraternity house right there on Lincoln. So yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah. It's
0: amazing. I know those names too. Uh... I became friends with a guy down there. His dad's the judge in town, Judge Schick. So know him and know all of his sons, know the whole, like, that's the thing about Charleston. Once you met somebody and you became friends, it was like you knew everybody, which coming from a small town outside of Danville, it was the perfect fit into there. Um, But that's really awesome. Um, Are you guys dealing a lot with name image likeness down there or anything like that?
1: So it's starting, it's starting. And to be honest with you, you know, our players are, are pretty resourceful and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they keep their eyes and ears open and they see what's happened nationally. And I think they have kind of put together their own, um, you know, little plan, mm-hmm. but right now they'll run those plans through the athletic administration um, and they'll try to come to some agreement and then, um, you know, try to move forward with one of their proposals. Um, and it's, it's really an opportunity for different, you know, either businesses or, or people in the community to, to get behind the curtain a little bit more, if you will. Right. Um, you know, whether that be additional appearances or whether that be additional tailgates or just having an additional access potentially um, to certain players. So it's something that we are continuing to evolve with, mm-hmm. um, but, but our players are, are doing a pretty good job interacting with the uh, athletic administration right now.
0: I would like, say that's more on your guys' plate, too. But I mean, it is, it's more work, but I guess they deserve it if it's a thing that's happening to them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. If if um, it's a resource that they can, you know, benefit from, then hey, I think more power to them. And it's something that would certainly benefit quite a few people.
0: Right. And especially in Charleston, it's cheap. So whatever they get, they'll be fine. <laughs> that's the way <laughs> I look at it. That was the great thing about Charleston. And then. I moved up to the suburbs in 2018. I'm like, oh, it's a little different up here than it is. Yeah, it you, is, you that,
1: that's where you get the culture shock from a price tag standpoint going up to the burbs.
0: It was that in the and the traffic. Oh, the traffic on because I live in Naperville, but I coach at Addison. It's oh, only, yeah, it's only like 18 minutes, but still, if you don't leave at the right time on 88 or 355, you're it's done.
1: Yeah. It's done. Oh, there's no question.
0: Um, and what was the other thing I was going to ask you? I totally forgot. But so you you kind of. I, I, I kind of describe this now as you're not rebuilding culture; you're just kind of putting your culture on it. Is the way I am saying it now because there's only a culture built wherever you go—good, bad, and different. So when you went there, you kind of had kind of new EIU culture and everything. But for you, yep. you personally, when you got there, like, okay, what was like the first thing you were going to do? Come in and say, I'm going to put in my my culture or our culture yeah. however you want to word it like what was the first yeah. thing you had to do
1: yeah i think you know like you said there is a culture at each institution mm-hmm. within each program you know coaches aside period just a whatever the place stands for and kind of how the kids carry themselves and right how the institution represents themselves but for us it was really more kind of um putting what we call our standards mm-hmm. um our expectations um, and our philosophy in place, mm-hmm. and so for us, that centers around family and, and create a family atmosphere. And um, you know, when I assembled the staff, I was very purposeful in in talking with each and every one of them, and and making sure that they understood, um, you know, our commitment has to be to our players, and that our players don't care what we know as football coaches until they know that we care about them as people. And this is going to be a relationship and a family that's based on connection and communication. And trust. And those are things that are built over time. And so we did spend the entire spring, um, you know, connecting with our players, learning about our players, not just about what kind of route they run or how what kind of pass rush move they're very good at or how they deliver the football, right? but really more about their families and about them and about how they got to Eastern and what their stories were. Um, that's important. I mean, you've got to have that connection and the championship teams that I've been around, whether it was at Eastern Illinois or at San Jose state or at Dartmouth college or at the university of Chicago, the best teams I've been around have been like a brotherhood. They mm-hmm. have been a family and that, and believe me, that doesn't mean we won't have disagreements, right? Um, you know, that doesn't mean that we all like each other all the time and that there won't be chaos and moments, but, um, we're super excited about that. And we did get a chance to certainly, like I said, establish our philosophy, our standards, our expectations. Um, with our players and, and most importantly connect with them
0: right um and the good thing i because re- to some people and i was gonna ask you this um i feel like sometimes there's a disconnect between high school coaches and college coaches for example i don't think high school coaches appreciate all the hard work college coaches do have to go through but then some college coaches don't understand the high school what they go through and i was gonna ask you like do you think like your, your experience at division one you understood the hard work then it'd be a division three all that extra stuff, I think maybe glorifies you a little bit when you go back to division one.
1: There's no question. I mean, let me tell you what, when you're in division three or you no, know, depending on the high school now there are some high schools that operate as good or better than yeah. a lot of the colleges and universities. Yes. Um, but, but by and large, you know, when you're at division three and when you're at the high school level, as with a lot, you wear a lot of hats. Yes. You,
0: know, yes. you are
1: sizing the kids and you are gathering all the equipment information and you're distributing the stuff. and, uh, you know, you're certainly the motivator and the the mentor and the crazy uncle and the coach and the strength coach and the conditioning coach and the transportation. I mean, you name it. I mean, right. uh, you know, you're, you're wearing a lot of hats um, when you have a limited uh, set of resources or a limited number of people in terms of resources. Yep. So, um, yes, I, I have a great, great deal of respect for small college football coaches in general mm-hmm. and, and certainly for... High school and even you know all the way down to JFL, um, coaches for, for you know what they do in terms of connecting and helping uh, build better men and build better people. Right, um, it's just an important part of the process, and and it's such a great game, and has given so much to my family and myself um, that I just want to continue to give back. That that's really what it's about.
0: Well, oh, that was a cool thing about Eastern back in the day. They were used to on their spring game host like a mini coaches thing where coaches could come in. And yeah. he said between this time and this time, our doors are open because it's the spring game. We're already set to go. Ask any questions you want. So you can knock on anybody's door and talk to coaches. And I thought, okay, these coaches get it. Like they understand, like, you know, we want to learn. We want to get going. And then there's some out there, like, for example, if I reach out to talk about football in a podcast, they say F off and they and go, you know, or, you know, whatever. And so I was talking to a high school coach who transitioned from college, D3, to high school. And he goes, I've realized the disconnect some have. And I said, well, hopefully, through my podcast talking to people, it brings it back, and like you understand, but some don't. There are some; yep. all they know is Division One, yep. and they don't understand what small Eastern Eastern is not a big school by any means. But they don't understand what you may have to go through compared to North Dakota State or something like that, you know.
2: Yep.
0: Um, and we all have to the game. There's less coaches out there too. If you know, uh, we lost four going into the summer, and we just filled it. Like it, it, there is none. And wow. less and less are doing it, and so we have to stick together and work together and all that stuff um, Just slowly wrap it up because you're very busy. Um, oh no, no, it's all right. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, you know what kind of offensive team are we going to see? Because I'm a big offensive guy. Don't give me the secrets oh, yeah. Don't give me the secret sauce because yep, yep. I want people to know so like what's your offensive philosophy coming in
1: well i'll be honest with you the secret sauce is to score one more point than our opponents yes so um you know here's the thing we yeah did i come in here with an offensive philosophy and have we installed that philosophy and are we a spread ish Hmm. numbers leverage advantage based air raid ish offense yes we are Mm -hmm. um but but the most important thing is going to be taking care of the football taking care of each other and at the end of each game, scoring one more point than our opponents. So um, our job as a coaching staff is to tweak or modify our philosophies that we have in our toolbox to play to the strengths of the skill set of the players that we have. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're still evaluating our players and there will be competition during preseason. Our players finish their summer workouts. uh, They've got the rest of this week. They've got next week, they've got one week off to kind of decompress. And then they report Sunday, July 31st, our first practice is Monday, August 1st. We open uh, up in Decalb at Northern Illinois, you know, mm-hmm. the defending MAC champions uh, up there um, on Thursday night, September 1st. But during that preseason, we are still gonna be evaluating talent mm-hmm. and building chemistry and putting in um, more building blocks or tools in our toolbox that we'll have for the duration of the season for this marathon. So we really focus more on pro- process, mm-hmm. uh, but offensively the biggest thing that we want to try to improve on is taking care of the football and eliminating some of the minus yardage plays. So yep. even if it's gaining one yard, it's better than losing three. Yep. Uh, even if it's at the end of the day, having one turnover in a game as opposed to having three, we're going to give ourselves a better chance to be successful at the very end of the game. Cause the goal is to have one more point than our opponents. So even if we average 600 yards a game, but we end up three and eight, um, that's not going to be what we're looking for. The idea is to win football games. And so as the head coach, yes, I have an offensive philosophy. I have a defensive philosophy and I have a special teams philosophy and I have coordinators for all three phases. But my job is to coordinate all that to make sure that we play complementary winning football. Right. Uh, That's the goal here. So um, it's still a little bit TBD, um, you know, it's, it's a blank slate, if you will, when we presented it to our players. Hey, these are the things that we would like to have in our toolbox. It gives them almost every concept. And now as we go forward and we figure out the best 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, 16, 17 players on offense. Okay, now what does he do? Well, how can we get him involved? How can we get him the ball? Um, who's distributing the football? What do they do well? What tools in our toolbox can we utilize to give us a chance to be successful? So I know that was a long-winded answer, but um we, we still have a ton of work to do, but we're right. really excited about getting back together and getting ready for this fall.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say like you can come in with a plan, but you're 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 kind of getting guys that recruited for a different, you know, set of skills. And so you want to come in and make sure, okay, this is my overall thinking. But maybe they can't run this play. Maybe they can't run this run play. And so we have to tweak it a little bit until you recruit oh. the type of players um, to, to do that, you know. Oh. So you kind of answer that in that next question of, you know, are, what kind of you're probably seeing a lot of bumps in the in the defensive scheming and offensive scheming like, well, maybe we can't do this but they oh, can I mean, do this
1: we prefer we prefer not to use the word can't we say <laughs> they hey they can't might be able to do something else a little better or a little more efficiently <laughs> right well for us uh,
0: our head coach says don't tell me what they can't do tell me what they can do well then sure. i'm the jerk though that comes in and i say well i have to tell you what they can't do to tell you what they can do and he goes <laughs> touche like okay touche because i tell him like hey you want to run this run play well they can't pull but guess what he can down block so maybe we move him here and we can do this so i'm i'm devil's advocate that's good good. i'm the i'm the jerk though sometimes i'm like well that's my job though i'm here to tell you that because i'm the old line coach i have to be a little bit of a jerk my little little chip on my shoulder
1: oh the hog guys hey i'll tell you what if your hogs aren't good if you're not good up front everybody in the stadium's gonna know it
0: or they're gonna yell at me to block somebody i'm like why didn't i think of that
1: yeah yeah you get so much constructive criticism by the, uh, you know, the just everyday uh, football fan block somebody. There's a lot that goes into it. I'll tell you what.
0: And there's a lot, There's less and less O-line coaches out there, especially in high school. That's how I got yeah. my, because like I said, I made a name for myself at Charleston because I was always down, coached there for years. I, I took the long college plan. I was an OC at Charleston High School and everything else. Came up here in the suburbs. My fiance now went to Elmhurst. She went to York. So came up here. I didn't know anybody, didn't know a soul. So I got started at Lombard East, but how I was able to bounce around to find a spot. Oh, you coached O-line? You're in. Oh, for sure. And I'm like, is there no O-line coaches? And they said, we can't find them. People will tell me they can't find them and because it's the hardest thing to coach, in my opinion. I'm like, it is the hardest. And- yep.
1: Oh, hey, I'll tell you, you know everybody, everybody knows you got to have a quarterback to be successful, and that's still valid, but I believe you build your championship teams inside out front to back and so if you're good on both lines of scrimmage especially up the middle you got a chance to be successful
0: (laughs) yes you do uh that's because i helped out spring ball when uh coach Baber was was there yeah and he was transitioning from the pro style type that coach spoo had to that snap the ball every 10 or 12 seconds yep and i'll never forget he wasn't used to the charleston weather or illinois weather he used that baylor He came out. Now, you know in Charleston, if it's, I don't know, 50 degrees, 55 degrees in the spring, you're feeling kind of good. You know, you can shorts or long sleeves or short sleeves, whatever. He's in a parka and gloves and walking out there (laughs) with the stopwatch, and he's timing them, but watching those O-line guys, when they figured it out, they were just blasting people off the ball in that up-tempo offense, and how quickly they could adapt to it. So. Like, kind of full circle to my other like the question of like the bumps in the road you get, but once they figure it out, and you guys and they tweak it, no matter yeah. what defense, offense, special teams, it's it's gonna go, no question. Especially if you guys get them believing, they're
1: gonna That's go. Right. Well, and I know again, Coach Papers did a phenomenal job, and yes, he had a great scheme, and he inherited a very very good player and a ton of other really good players in um, you know Jimmy and Eric, Laura, and tons of the other guys that went on to you know be part of those those teams. Um, but they had a very strong culture. You know, they had a belief in one another. They had a brotherhood. They had created a family atmosphere. Like I said, that's that's part of it. When you establish a championship team, you got to have that that belief and love and care and respect for one another in the locker room. So that's what we're focused on right now.
0: Well, coach, um, I appreciate your time. I know you got to get out of here. You got more important things to do, but I appreciate your time. Um, I do know one of your offensive linemen you recruited. He came from Westville. My buddy was okay. coaching at Westville. So if uh, Bryce gives you trouble you gotta let me know. I think he's still, he might still be there, but if he is, I will.
1: Oh, he's here. He's here right now, working out hard. Um, but you just let us know, hey, and like I said, hey, you, uh, we had we had about a hundred alums come back during the spring game, and so this is your house. If you, if you happen to be back in the area or you wanna come to a football game, just let me know, but we appreciate everything you're doing. It was great to talk to you, Steve, and hey, have a great weekend and go Panthers.
0: Go Panthers, and I haven't been there in a long time, but you got me going now, so. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, Go follow EIU football. It'll be great. It'll be great. I try to follow it. So thanks so much. Thank you, coach. And we'll see everybody next time.